Hello and welcome to another episode of Running the Race podcast. RTR is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, Louisiana, striving to provide a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. To learn more about who we are and what we believe, head over to our website, www.fbcg.net. There you can access more episodes of the podcast, view or listen to our sermons and services, or use any of the other great resources we have over at the site. Today's speakers are Jim Law, Senior Pastor of FPCG, and our Associate Pastor, Jared Lambert. Our topic for this podcast is Biblical Eldership. Brother Jim and I begin by defining what a Biblical Elder is and why having a plurality of elders should matter to you as a believer. Next, we discuss the establishment of the Office of Elder for Governance of the Church as given in the New Testament, and then the qualifications and functions of an elder. Along the way, we recount our own journey to a plurality of elders here at First Gonzales, sharing some things we've learned as we go. Once again, welcome back to the Running the Race podcast. I'm Jared Lamberth here with Pastor Jim Law, and in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about biblical eldership, and we'll be reflecting on our move here at First Baptist Gonzales from a single pastor and uh, deacon and congregational model to an elder-led model. Uh, nearly 10 years ago, in the spring of 2012, FBC voted to transition to this uh, elder-led model of church uh, leadership, and um Jim, you've been on record that, in your opinion, that um, this was the single greatest decision that we made in 28 years as a as a church family. Why would you Why would you say that? Yes, Jerry, that that is true. A number of things come to my mind. Um, I, I I think of the limitation of one man's perspective, mm-hmm. um, and that the plurality of elders really has expanded the leadership base and perspective of 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 our decision making and of our shepherding of the body. And so uh, when we think about uh, um, a plurality of elders, that's uh, new to some in Baptist life anyway, but really, sure. really is a, a major, has a, has a strong record in Baptist history uh, from the earliest years. But I would say the reason it's been the single greatest decision uh, from my perspective, is that it, it has freed me up as a pastor to focus on what God has called me to do. Mm-hmm. Preach, teach, disciple, pastor and shepherd God's people. And um, just to have uh, gifted brothers around me uh, to, to lead yeah. um, has uh, just really been remarkable. I, I want to caution to say it's not a silver bullet. We're still right. in a church. <laughs> we're church in... Uh, in that's being conformed into the image of Christ. We trust and pray and we still have to deal with issues and Mm -hmm. our own shortcomings, but it has broadened the leadership base and I think offered greater stability in our church body. Right. Well, what were some of the influences that led you to that, um, that leadership decision? Right. Um, I think Mark Dever has done more to impact my ecclesiology, my mm-hmm. doctrine, view of the doctrine of the church than anybody with his nine marks uh, of a healthy church book back in around 2000, 2001 was the first edition. And uh, just uh, also his historical um, uh, work to present elders in Baptist life yeah. uh, and the resources of nine marks on ecclesiology and how elders... Um, uh, should should serve in a congregational polity because so many see that as a as a Presbyterian type of arrangement and have no right you know, no further conversation about it. And so, from a Baptist perspective, we are um, uh, we, we believe in an elder led uh, pastoral ministry, 
under congregational polity rather than an elder rule. Mm. So uh, we, you know, the final word of the elders is not the final word in our ecclesiology. It's it's ultimately the the voice of the church under the lordship of Christ. Right. Um, also, Jared, back in two thousand six, um, I I made a trip to Washington D.C. to um, um, a nine marks weekender. Okay. We we arrived on a Wednesday and we um, uh, actually observed an elders meeting uh, at Capitol Hill that was very um, instructive and eye opening. It was a four hours elders meeting. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they they scrutinize everything there. I mean, it's a high energy church, and uh, but that was very helpful in in getting a picture of how elders should meet and what they should be doing. I think another resource is Alexander Strock. Mm-hmm. Um, who, uh, his, his book, uh, biblical eldership was very helpful because one of the concerns and questions that came up was, uh, well, how do we view the senior pastor and Stra- Strzok really, um, is helpful in seeing that in the biblical picture of plurality leadership, there's their leader among leaders, right? You know, Peter was the leader of the apostles. Um, he mm-hmm. was listed first in all the references to the apostles. And so there's a recognized leader among leaders, which I appreciate and um, am grateful for. But at the same time, I realize I'm one of, of six elders that we have. Well, so this was a, a long conversation for us. How do you turn a church? You turn it like a, an aircraft carrier, yeah. right? <laughs> it's no, right. There are no, uh, no turns on a dime and so forth. So um, maybe just talk us through a little bit of, of how... Um, how we made some strides toward that change. Yeah. Well, it was a long conversation for us uh, some years. And um, what what we did was we transformed the deacons meeting to what we envisioned an elders meeting to look like. Okay. That doesn't mean we turned it into a four hour meeting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a two and a half, you know, from an hour long meeting to a, a two and a half hour long meeting. And we talked about doctrine and we read books together and, um, it just really helped define who had the heart, uh, for, for that kind of work. Right. You know, we had um, faithful deacons um, who would say, you know, I'm just not really interested in, in, in reading books or dealing mm-hmm. with uh, detailed pastoral issues that are sometimes very messy. Yeah. Um, I just, I want to make sure the grass is cut. Right. <laughs> you know, I want to collect the offering and those need to be done. Yes. And so that was a, a very helpful process for us uh, seeing who, who has a real heart to, to shepherd. And yeah. that is the only objective standard I find in scripture for a call to a pastoral ministry is a desire to do it. Right. And, and likewise, that same call is given to a deacon, a desire to meet temporal needs in the church. Mm-hmm and to serve uh, the body in the ways that are, are so important. Right. So this isn't a superiority complex. This sure. is a, a matter of calling. Uh, just as the apostle said in Acts 6, um, we we don't want to neglect uh, the preaching of the word and prayer in order to, to wait tables. Both need to be done, mm-hmm. but it, it was an issue of calling. Yeah, I think sometimes people... Um, mis- misunderstand that because of that that language that's that's used there that you know that waiting tables was beneath them and that wasn't the right. that wasn't the issue at all and so similarly we have brothers here at uh, First Baptist who um, the issue is calling the issue is equipping mm-hmm. what, what were the spiritual giftings of this this person and um, and you want people to be placed where they're called and gifted and equipped and trained yes. to do a great job for the church, for the kingdom. And you don't want people who aren't gifted in those ways to be serving in some function that 
uh, is not where they belong, and that seems like what you have when you have, um, you know, a deacon committee meeting type mm-hmm. of structure sometimes. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, just a, um, it can't produce a weariness when you're not equipped to do something or called to do something, and yet you're thrust into that role. It can, it can be um, harmful and, mm. uh, and not what we need to so in 2012, in addition to um, this deacons meeting uh, transition, we also began preaching um, on this topic. Right. We mentioned it to the church, and um, and then we, we gave a two-part series, Why We Should Transition to Biblical Elders. And I made a biblical case for this picture of church leadership from the New Testament. Mm. And, um, and so I taught on it for two Sundays, and then we... Um, we voted by uh, private ballot, secret ballot, and it passed by 90, 90%. That's and great. That really has been something that, that got us honored through the years when we had a major change that we were considering to, to present the biblical case in Sunday morning worship to the body, mm-hmm. allow an opportunity for there to be questions and discussion um, in the members' meeting, and then to vote by secret ballot. Val- you, you get the true vote when you vote by secret ballot. Right. And on this case, the transition, it was like a 90 percentile um, vote. Yeah. And we were thrilled with that. We felt like everyone could participated and we were making the move based upon a, a biblical um, guidance. One of the things that I rem- remember about that time was that, um, you know, we didn't have all this mapped out. You know, there, part of what was so exciting about that 90% vote was that we were just basically walking on, this is the clear picture of church governance in the New Testament. That's what we know. H- how we're going to implement lay elders and pastoral staff elders and what are the bylaws going to look like and all, all of those things were not even yet finalized. Um, or, or, and we had to work through all those things. Right. Uh, so it wasn't like a, um, you know, a real quick, uh, well, you know, it turnkey was, operation. It was a fresh reset of our ministry, really, which was uh, has been very fruitful. So I'm thinking, Jared, you know, if if you're a believer, uh, why should you care about this issue? Mm-hmm. And I think the at the top of the list are, are two biblical references in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about um, church leadership. He says in verse seven, "Remember your leaders." And then in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hmm. So the reason a conversation on elders is important is um, because we're called as believers to submit to to those who lead us spiritually, right. that they will give an account for us. And um, And, you know, I think as a a believer desiring to be a member of a church that they would know how the church is structured. Yeah. So that you haven't, you're not looking around going, well, who is that? Right. Right. You know, who, who's going to have to give an account and who am I supposed to obey? What about Acts twenty twenty eight? Yeah. There, um, the apostle Paul is uh, speaking to the, the elders, uh, the Ephesian elders mm-hmm. on the Miletus beach. It's one of those moving, moments of um, in the New Testament because they ultimately weep over him and are concerned for him. And it says in uh, verse 28 of Acts 20 um, that uh, pay, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers uh, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
And so here he's talking to the Ephesian elders, and he references here overseer, and that's yeah. kind of a, a synonymous term um, with elder, elder, pastor, overseer. There are two mm-hmm. biblical offices, elder, pastor, overseer. The qualifications for the, that office are 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and, and deacons, um, uh, the biblical office of elder, pastor, overseer, and deacons. And so when I talk about elder elders, I could rightly call them pastors, mm-hmm. uh, but the term in the New Testament that carries over seems to be elders. Elder. And the idea is overseeing, shepherding, and watching over the flock. So let's talk about the uh, the picture of uh, the church and its governance that we see uh, in the New Testament coming out of those those verses. Right. Um, coming out of those, what is an elder? The term, again, is used interchangeably with other terms, um, but it, it, the idea here is to over, oversee the flock of God. And the distinction in the character qualities uh, in First Timothy 3, uh, I think it was D.A. Carson who said, what's astonishing about this list is how unastonishing the, the, sure. the character qualities are, because this should be um, the character demonstrated by every Christian. Mm-hmm. So those in leadership in the church are called uh, not not so much to a higher standard, but to live the standard by which every Christian is to live. And it's above reproach. And um, he talks ab- about a number of these character qualities. Uh, he's not a fighter. Uh, right. He's not uh, known for his drinking. Drinker, he's, yeah. Uh, but the difference between an elder pastor overseer and a deacon is is the elder must be able to teach. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, a giftedness to be able to communicate the content and def- of the Christian faith and to defend it in this world mm-hmm. in a skilled and uh, gifted way. And we've really seen that as um, in our own application of that as, as a rightly dividing the word of truth using the word as a, as a tool not necessarily currently teaching in a particular office or or class mm-hmm. at the church right um, there's differences among um uh, among those who embrace elder leadership but uh, ours has been you know the ability to communicate the christian faith the content of bo- uh, 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 and body of um of christian belief to, uh, and to to be able to do that effectively yeah. and um, you know, I think maybe at this point it would it would be helpful, Jared, just to mention that we have insisted uh, that that there would always be a plurality of lay elders, mm-hmm. and um, that was important on the, in, in the early stages because we wanted to uh, just communicate this wasn't a kind of a coup to overtake the church by the pastoral staff, right? But was very much um, wanting to recognize those in the body who possess these gifts who. We're energized by the three-hour meetings or two-and-a-half-hour meetings, <laughs> right. you know, to to talk through things pastorally, doctrinally, and to watch over them, the, the affairs of the church. And so um, I think uh, in looking at um, the role of an elder, to uh, we have four lay elders and two pastoral staff elders, and that has been a good place for us. Uh, to it, it, it really does enlarge the leadership base. It gives yeah. us perspectives, doesn't it? You and I are pastoral staff elders, and so it gives perspective that we we don't share from our you know absolutely. Position. And I think it's important for us to let the brothers uh, who are serving as lay elders, um, we have opportunity to to think on certain things and talk together about certain things, and uh, so not only is there a difference in perspective um, on ministry details, but also. We, we think and work through things pretty, you know, sometimes really quickly. Um, and then 
uh, you know, our brothers who come and sit at the table with us may may bring something that we haven't thought of, or their their perspective may be different in a way that causes us to have a you know a, a, a rethink. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing them uh, come through a process where they're they're trying to reconcile uh, whatever the situation is that they were that we're talking through biblically, uh, carefully, prayerfully, uh, has just been a real joy. Um, and has been affirming in so many ways that, um, and you know, isn't it interesting, Jared, it will be in our elders meeting and uh, an issue will come up, a conversation that needs to be had or something that needs to be done. And it almost becomes unanimous who ought to do it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's something Lamar needs to do, or that's something Russ needs to do or Doug or whatever. It just seems obvious Uh, that this is the person who's gifted to deal with that issue. Yeah. Right. So I think the character qualities are very important, um, you know, in looking at leadership, a desire for the work, a life that's above reproach. Uh, Not that you're sinless, but, you know, that your life is not defined by something that would discredit the gospel. Right. A one-woman man speaking to the moral character of the... um, of the elder, mm-hmm. self-controlled, hospitable, wise, respect, respectable, able to teach, um, and not addicted to, to wine, not a, not a brawler, but gentle, uncontentious, um, not a money lover, manages his own household well. Um, and that's another thing. Uh, we're not responsible for our adult children and the decisions they make, yet um, a testimony within one's home, within one's marriage of it being well-led and sure. um, committed to the gospel. No, no household is, is, is perfect. That's certainly not an accurate uh, depiction of that, that standard, but uh, to hold up that biblical truth is represented in the home. Uh, biblical, stand, biblical stands are taken on, on those grounds, and, and, um, and so there's, uh, I think, room for understanding there that it's not a, it's not a call for a you know a fishbowl type of <laughs> right. look at at uh, the lay the lay pastor or the the pastoral staff's uh, family, um, but rather you know when turmoil com- when turmoil comes, how does this brother respond? Right, you know, just in th- thinking through the the elder uh, role and our uh, you know what biblical guidance did you have to move towards that? And I, I think just to survey the, the, the scripture quickly, Jerry, I, I think of Exodus 18, mm-hmm. where Moses is um, uh, counseled by Jethro, his father-in-law, where Moses was doing the work from sun up to sundown. And right. and Jethro says, you know, I've been watching you and the, the thing that you're doing, that's it, not a good thing. Right. And uh, to be able to share the the burdens and the, the spiritual um demand that comes with pastoring a church as it being a shared uh, ministry, which mm-hmm. is what you see the council Jethro gave was to, to, to appoint others to be able to help with that load. Right. Um, in Acts 11, um, in this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders, a reference to elders and New Testament leadership. But I think one of the key texts for me was Acts 14, where Paul had circled back around to uh, Lystra and Iconium and other and Antioch and strengthening the disciples, and then it says in verse twenty three when they had appointed elders for them in every church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting way to look at a a church plant that it would be under the care of elders for that local body um, when they prayed and fasted over these decisions and. Um, 
So uh, we saw a, a plurality there with a the recognition there's leaders among leaders. So I do feel a sense of deference by, by the brothers on the elders, but uh, in no means do I um, use that as some kind of trump card in our relationship. I, I see it as um, you know a partnership in ministry under the Lord that's a sweet thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think like we've mentioned before, a lot of times it's important for um, for us to uh, just to to be silent and to to make sure that we're not um, steering the conversation, but that this is truly a, a consensus. It's also interesting. I think we should uh, maybe for those who don't know, the elders don't vote on anything. We we've never voted on anything in an elders meeting, although I guess some some bodies of elders might. But um, there's always been consensus and unity yep. and, and a deference. And where there hasn't been, we wait and yep. pray. And, and Jared, uh, sometimes that waiting has been years Yeah, some things mm-hmm. uh, where we've waited for the Lord to move and um, to guide us. And, um, you know, every every church leadership, every el- el- group of elders is, has to work out what, what does the Lord want us to do for this body. But that has been, you know, one of the things I would say is just a, a trust for one another um, uh, uh, watching each other's back, I think, mm-hmm. in a sense, um, not not protecting one another from sin issues, uh, but right. watching over the work together. Yeah, uh, and to my knowledge, in these years together, I, I'm not aware of where information has 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 gotten out of that of our con- uh, conversations because right. of um, you know having to talk about things that are personal and sensitive, and um, but to wait together. And yet, you know, I, I know that there's been lots of talk of el- some elder boards where we would just be paralyzed if we, we did that. Yeah. I, under- I understand that, but right. that's not the way the Lord has worked here. Sure. And so, um, um, so why don't we talk through several other maybe distinctives or particulars of what the elders, uh, what this leadership looks like here at First Baptist. Okay. First of all, I think a great one to talk about would be lay elder because I remember, uh, you know, I served on the team that that rewrote the bylaws for this picture of mm-hmm. of, of, of polity, and uh, we did some real uh, work on, you know, what does it mean to be a, a lay elder? And uh, really, light really came for us when we began to to see these brothers as pastors, right. and um, and that really clarified a lot of things for us. And so, what what do we mean when we say lay elder? What does that well, one who is vocationally not in the pay of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so our elders, um, one is retired, one is in, involved in um, educational administration. We have an uh, um, environmental engineer, mm-hmm. uh, a shift worker at the plant. So it's varied. Right. Uh, but a lay elder is one who's not vocationally under the pay of the church um, and, and serves uh, in, in that capacity yeah. as a pastor. And we really have not made a great distinction. We don't really refer to them as no. lay elders publicly. They're just an elder is an elder. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, he, he's merely a lay elder. Right. <laughs> right. No, he's an elder. Yeah. Right. And so the, the body has really come a long way in viewing these men as pastors uh, mm-hmm. among the flock. Yeah. And so, um, and of course, we I think we've, um, you know, been very careful today to, this is, this is not put in place for pragmatic reasons, mm-hmm. But there are so many benefits uh, to doing this, and you know what we would say is the biblical way to do it, as is so often the case. Um, so the the reason to really make the transition is because it's the biblical yeah. model that we see in the New Testament. But but 
going beyond that, um, the benefits of of having brothers who can wade into um, counseling, teaching, uh, administrative issues, uh, and the the amount of freeing up that that does, in particularly for you, um, to study the word and preparing for preaching and, and those kind of things. Sure, there are those moments where. Uh, you know, we had a sister uh, just this past week who's uh, nearing the end of her life, and it was right. time for a pastoral visit, and we were all able to go in turn and, and make visits. And sometimes it's just you need the senior pastor. That's what you need. Right. Um, but in so many uh, cases, I just think about all the brothers that we just named or, or talked about who are lay elders who uh, have roles in the body and relationships in the body mm-hmm. where if there's a marriage in crisis, we, you know, we know who's on it. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's a, you know, if there's a wayward child or something like that, we there are there are six rather than one right. to bear that load. And, uh, and, and then administratively as well that, you know, you don't have to worry about who's spraying the roundup in the parking lot, you know, whereas, <laughs> you know, mercifully, <laughs> yes. So that, that, you know, there's a, there's a freedom there for, um, for brothers to, you know, share those loads administratively mm-hmm. and so forth. I think too, one of the, one of the things uh, that is important is that we affirm congregational polity. So there's some things elders can't do. We've been entrusted by the congregation to oversee and to lead and they, that trust means so much to us. But the church uh, must call pastoral staff members. That's, the elders don't, they they lead and recommend, but they don't, um, that's not ultimately their decision. Uh, per, the church must purchase property, approve the budget, um, remove members in church discipline mm-hmm. um, as, as an important part of our, our church governance. So again, this isn't a silver bullet. You know, ministry's hard, and it's joyful. And what makes it um, even more joyful to me is um, is having brothers uh, in the trenches uh, to carry the load together, called by God for a common purpose. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race podcast. To find out more information about our church and ministry, or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, www.fpcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Podcasts, a positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks for doing that. And if you found the podcast to be interesting or helpful, recommending us to a friend or family member that you think would benefit from listening would be a great thing. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.